Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast Project with your hosts, myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, Jennifer Davis-Page, and Bibi Peters. This podcast aims to ignite inspiration in primetime women by creating a super learning community, a safe space for all women to contribute their voices and visions. For more information on this episode, and to learn more, visit us at boomgoddessradio.com. So we've been talking about social media, and if you are listening to our show, then you're halfway there. Social media, what is it? It's, it, the definition is websites and applications that can enable users to create and share content or to participate in social networking. That's the definition of social media. Now, many of us don't feel like we can ask for help and we know that we need it. And sometimes we get too embarrassed to ask because everybody seems to know this stuff and we don't and we say, okay, let me just sit here and be quiet for a minute. So we're essentially curtailing the pace at which we can learn because it's much harder to learn in the shadows without asking for help than to just come out and say, I'm really struggling with this and I need help. So I'd like us to start talking about the ABCs of getting to know social media. I love this, Jen. Uh, That sounds right up the alley of the purpose and intention of this episode, which is getting accustomed, getting comfortable with what social media has done for us in our lives and how, uh, Dr. Andrea, is this is just an amazing learning and atmosphere, a pool, uh, and how we learn every single day. And this is just one of those elements. You know, I think the pie of life has changed. The apportionment of what we do and where we put our energy on a daily basis has changed drastically. It's like we're being asked to know a new language. And lots of us just jump in, you know, like we learn language by talking about it. We learn the language of technology or social media by doing it and by experimenting with it. So yes, it's the biggest learning experience since I think the motor car or the, um, the, uh, the guy who invented the radio, Tesla. Now the question is, are we all excited about it? Are we, and the ones that are not excited about it, are we not excited about it because we're fearful of learning something new? getting the hang of it. And so, you know, that, that's a question I'd like to ask. I mean, women my age, for example, are we, we, we want to go on Facebook because we have picture family and friends that keeps us connected, which is wonderful. So we learn how to do that. One of our family members comes in and they set us up. They give us our password that we have to write down because we won't remember it. And then we start using it. And of course, what you do most is what you do best. So you continue trying to use it because you want to see these beautiful pictures. 
And then somebody starts talking about podcast. And then they start talking about iTunes and Twitter. Well, not in that order, but no. yes. But where does it end? <laughs> but see, I don't know what order to even put them in. So, so this is what we need to talk about. We need to talk about what comes first and why it comes first. Let's have that discussion. I love how last night we were talking to a woman, uh, you know, Jane, right? She's just about to turn eight, like 80, right? right? And um, she has this very big fear. She likes the idea of Facebook, but she has a very big fear about exposing herself, about being on Facebook Mm -hmm. and what can happen to her. So you were talking about fear, Jen, and I think that is so very true. There's a couple of things that are really striking me about this psychologically. First of all, there's a couple of different kinds of fear going on here. Like Jen mentioned, the fear of even having to be challenged to learn, that's one whole category of fear. And then the other is this fear of exposure, or not even fear, but a great ambivalence Mm -hmm. about exposing oneself. Like if I expose myself about this, am I going to be able to be found out about that or that? Like a man called me for an appointment the other day, and he said, um, I know where you live. By the end of the conversation, after he'd made an appointment, he says, I know where you live. This is what I did. I went on Google, and I went on Psychology Today, and I saw that you were in this town, and then I went on Google Earth, and I know that you're in that development. So yeah, no problem. You don't have to give me your address. I already have it. That's scary in and of itself. Did that not send chills up your spine? Well, you know, if I hadn't already been engaged in a conversation with him, mm-hmm. it might have. Okay. But he was an intelligent man looking mm-hmm. for a therapist. Okay. And he had a systematic approach to finding okay. the therapist. Okay. And he called me. So maybe back in the day, I would have found that totally freaky. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just, it, it almost feels the same as having a license plate number. If somebody wants to get your license plate number mm-hmm. and they're connected to anybody in law enforcement, they find you right away. So this opens up a whole other area of, mm-hmm. of security, like we talk about on a very big scale. Everything about us is already cataloged. Well, you know, we, we were always trying to... to to keep uh, secure, especially in our homes. And and now with Google Earth, and I just found out about that a few years, you know, where people can, can go to Google Earth and actually see, like you said, this gentleman did, what house you are on the block. I mean, they can actually z- zoom in while you're watching television. They can zoom in and see exactly where you live. Well, no, but they're not, it's not in real time all the time because I noticed when I zoomed in on my previous address okay. in New York, it didn't include the landscaping that I did within the past 10 years there. Okay. So I thought, right. Ooh, right. this is a plot of land from whatever year in the 20th century it was, late in the 20th century mm-hmm. before I did as much but I could tell it got the level of resolution that I could tell that it wasn't updated. Okay. So they must have satellites right, that fly right. by and take shots at different points in time. Maybe there's a special, you pay for it, updated. But for men and women in our, in, our, in our generation that, that they're accustomed to not 
being so open with all of this, this social media can be a little can be a little daunting and scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's let's separate out the fears, okay? Because I think it's important to do that. The fear of learning in general, like I can't learn that, exactly. Or, I'd never be able to learn that, right. or it just makes me dizzy to look right. at it. Whatever anybody's response in that category. And let's take them as two different categories if we can. Well, yes. you said something interesting to me a few weeks ago, and you said learning is really healthy. I mean, as we get older, for us to tackle new topics is healthy for us. So that's good information for us to tell our listeners, because if you are a, a little fearful of learning or thinking that you're not going to be able to learn, then taking it on is a good thing yeah it's like the upside of learning but there's really no such thing as not being able to the trick is breaking it down into um, bite-sized pieces or doable steps and the key to that is being relaxed because picture the brain is like a fist okay and if you're anxious and scared and you think you can't your brain make a fist with your hand that's the way your brain is Okay. But you don't you can't learn when your brain is in a tight fist. The most learning that occurs is with as open as you can be. And I'm now opening my hand and it's like an octopus, the more tentacles the octopus has, or the more cilia or hairs that you have, that's that's how feedback to the nervous system occurs. So you need to be, we all need to be open and relaxed enough in order to learn anything. Yes, and I would like to also uh, talk about really the beautiful benefits and glorious feelings that people get out of being able to now connect social media part of the definition is to be social to be engaged um, and so that brings us great opportunity to make that happen no matter what age you are both um, of those examples are brain building mm-hmm. So that connecting in general, so seeing new faces, hearing new voices, learning new concepts, that itself is brain growing. And, you know, con- so connecting with anything, with new material, or with even the steps to learning, the saying, oh, I realize that, or, okay, aha, I got it. Those feelings create brain growth. Well, we have infinite amount of items to talk about, so let's uh, take a break and come back in just a moment. Fabulous. Um, Lynn Ray, who is an artist friend of ours, a fabulous accomplished artist, and she's actually in her studio talking to us and really willing to jump into the dark waters because she says, yes, let's talk about uh, social media. So here we are with Lynn Ray Lowe, an accomplished artist in our town of Tucson, and we're talking about social media. Hello there, Andrea, and to everyone else in the room. And B.B. Peters and Jennifer Davis-Page, and of course the cat, and our Ah. engineer Chris, yes. And we're talking about maybe what our first experiences with social media were like. Do you do Facebook? Yes. 
Did you always do Facebook? Well, not before it was discovered. (laughs) (laughs) Were you an early adopter? Actually, I was using computers in general starting in about 1982 when I was um, in Telluride with the festivals up there. Uh, And our home offices were away from uh, Telluride. And so we... We were so excited when faxes became, you know, first first there was FedEx, and then there was faxes, and then there were the computers. And I was active in each turn of that way of communicating. So you saw, you saw it from the beginning all coming down the pike. Yeah, but I made a really bad mistake, Andrea. And what was that? I didn't really learn it. I assigned it to my staff. Mm. That's a mistake. So I was always and have still been quite dependent and therefore never reached beyond um, my own potential because I had other people doing it for me. And now when you talk about things like Facebook, I am learning to do it by myself, but the learning curve is quite large. And who've been your fondest teachers for Facebook? <laughs> my errors. <laughs> okay. Without a doubt, my errors. <laughs> And what and what's the worst error you ever made? Oh, I'm sure I posted things that I just kind of like wanted to pretend it was Groundhog Day for a while. Um, I can't remember. I think I blocked those things actively out of my mind. Uh, but but I have posted. Oh, I, I think one of the things that's always embarrassing to me is when I'm so impatient and I start to post and I don't think it's on. So I post and I post and I post and I wake up the next morning and they're like six of the posts which is like a blatant statement of, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But then we don't know. I've done that too, Lynn Ray, and then you don't know how to get them off. Oh, absolutely. Well, see, I, Jennifer, what I have sort of figured out is I can get them off, but the problem is that because they've been put on at different times, Four people have commented on this one, 12 people commented on that one, so then I have to sit there and anguish over which ones to, to erase because then I'm going to erase some people's comments. And maybe those comments should be erased. You know, I think I think people I think people ought to give us a break, Lynn Ray. When when they see that we've obviously made an error, they should just have a silent smile on their face and not post I'm sure anything. They do, Lynn um, Ray. I want to ask you a question. Um, this is BB. Um, when you have been now been learning more about Facebook and other social media elements. How do you find your brain reacts when you want to teach it something new? Is your uh, uh, sort of instant um, response to say, this won't work, or I can't learn, I cannot learn this, or is it more open? Where, where are you on that um, level? I think, I, I think that, again, we have to look at the fact that since I have somebody who works with me, and I also have the added advantage of having teenage kids who, as we all know, are born with a chip that uh, people that are older were not born with. You mean uh, grandkids? My grandkids. I mean, my standard thing is I'll, I'll explain something to the kids, and they, they basically think I'm pretty smart and cool and all the rest of that. But when they ask me to, when I ask them to do something for me, um, especially my grandson, he'll look at me and he'll go, Lala, it's so simple. It's just all you have to do is, and he explains it. And I understand that what he knows is he can, he has the ability to look at why something isn't working 
and to rationally connect with each step until he can figure out why it's not working. I don't have that ability. When I find it not working, I just get frustrated. Right. But you know, with our grandchildren, that's all they know. I mean, they this is what they know. We weren't raised we weren't raised with this this kind of technology. I mean, we had books and we had crayons and we had pencils. These kids We had high fives and know, stereos. Too. They don't know that this world ever existed without this. This is all they know. Do you remember your grandpa or grandma talking to you about the um, milkman bringing the food, bringing the uh, milk or with ice in an ice truck? Absolutely. I mean, but this wasn't something that we necessarily experienced. And so when our grandfathers used to say things to us like, do you know I had to walk eight miles to go to school uphill and in the snow? You know, th- we, we either got in a bus or we walked up to the neighborhood school. Each generation has their way in, of being and being raised. And when we get to generations like we are now, four generations, three, away from youth, the, the, the whole world has changed. And, and again, it was horses delivering ice, delivering your milk with ice. And today, it's these children have always said, been exposed to media. And as a result of that, it is their second nature, the same as it was for us to get in a car and go someplace instead of jumping on a horse. I love the uh, metaphor that that is used when we talk about technology, which is there are technology natives and there are technology immigrants. <laughs> and we are the immigrants that, that emigrate to the land of technology, but it isn't our first language. And that's a distinction that's very real. And just like immigrants, we can either decide to embrace the new culture and learn everything we can about it, or we can stay in our homes and say, you know, we not learn English or not learn the ways of the Western world. I mean, many of our um, ancestors were from Europe and they were immigrants. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. But I think that one of the issues that we have to respect here is that as, which I never would have said 20 years ago, as we get older, the desire to learn is not equal with the ability to do it. I, I like that you brought that up because I, I certainly would love to do research, research on the desire to learn versus the belief system that we sometimes develop about our ability to learn or our understanding of how to create the conditions for learning to occur. I personally don't believe that learning is um, not possible or that there's ever an, a, uh, I mean, sometimes there's real hardware issues in a brain, let's say, um, you know, or, or issues of, of physicality. But I believe that it's a matter of breaking it down into doable steps in an atmosphere or under conditions that are relaxed enough so that the brain doesn't tense up and you can actually input information and have it find a place. I'm eager to learn a little bit about your Siri experience, Lynn Array, because we understand that you may be writing a book on that on that uh, topic. She can be. She's 
she can be downright rude. And, you know, the, the, they say even just with messages, the way we've become so accustomed to, again, let's go back. When we were kids, we picked up a phone and we shared on a phone. But you were still connected in, 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 in a way that is more intimate than sending messages the way we do right now because our time is, is so, so busy. And I have found that when you talk on the phone to Siri, she will, when you get ready and you push the button, what she'll do is she'll autocorrect to what she thinks you said. And it won't necessarily even be what she copied so that when, when you think it's good and you hit send and as it goes out, you look at it and it's like, oh, no, and you can't bring it back. You know, it's gone. So then you have three more conversations underneath that correcting or trying to correct what was said. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm kind of an old-fashioned gal. I, I wish we used the phone more often. I'm with you. Talking on the phone as I'm, opposed to Siri. I'm absolutely with you, Lynn Ray. I, I you know, I, I think the old-fashioned ways are the best ways, but maybe that's because I'm just an old-fashioned girl. I, I, I'm, I'm getting into this. I, I find it interesting when, when I first started playing with the computer and, and sending emails, and it was re- reply and reply all, and 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 forward, and then you don't know, and I replied all, and I didn't want all to know. So then you know you just want to pull it out of the re- out of the plug and hope that it stops. You know, <laughs> well, would that it could. <laughs> in some way, I want to compare that back to what you were talking about with Facebook. On Facebook, for whatever reason, it just seems that you. You can forgive because you're sending it out into the ethers where a lot of people see it. So, like you're saying, I'm sure people understand that you're doing that. But when you're doing something on your phone, you have a, I have a tendency to believe it's more personal. So if I'm messing up over and over again, it's harder for me to take that attitude of, oh, you know, they just don't know I didn't understand it because the phone is supposed to be a more personal tool. You know, that was the sound of an intermission coming. So we need to just take a brief intermission and we will be right back with you, Lynn Ray. Well, thank you for coming back. And we're talking to Lynn Ray. We're here with the Boom Goddesses, uh, Bibi Peters and Jen Davis Page and myself, Dr. Andrea Gould. And we are on the subject of social media, the highs and the lows. And the humor. And the humor, <laughs> because we can. And, uh, and the whole idea about it being a learning challenge that we're either up for to one degree or another. Lynn Ray, on a scale of, let's say, one to 10, how eager are you at this stage of your life and career to embrace social media and, I guess, the technology? I'm, I'm very happy to embrace it. I think that for what I'm doing in my life, and since I'm still an artist and I need to communicate and, and uh, be able to show people, this is the way we do this now. So it's very important to me. I think that what I need to do is make sure that I have a healthy balance of personal interaction, whether it's in meeting, whether it's in telephone conversations, whether it's any kind of networking, and the social media. And I, I 
think that my biggest concern is that I don't become so dependent on the social media that it interferes with my way of dealing with people in person, because that is by far my favorite way to interact. And do you still uh, do handwritten notes to customers that have purchased from you? Do you still think that's a, a, a better way to uh, say thank you than an email? Well, um, that is, it's always nicer to write notes, and I actually have nice handwriting, and, and that's, I could do that. But I, I have to honestly say, Jennifer, I sometimes default to the easiness of, of, the, of, of email. And I don't think it's right. I mean, I know how excited I am when I get a thank you in the mail. I mean, I'm excited somebody has taken the time to do that. Uh, and it's, it's something that I wish that I could do more often. But with the way the world is moving so quickly, it is so hard to carve out old traditions and still be moving forward in this new world. I love that you said that. And uh, I, I'd like to say that it becomes a matter of being willing to do a ritual. I have a friend who once a month will send all the birthday cards for the month that's coming up. And it's such a lovely ritual. She just sits down in her bed at the beginning of the month, sees all her friends who are turning whatever number they're turning, and she writes long handwritten notes. And I just think that's a beautiful ritual. But again, it's a decision. It's intentional. Did she mail them, Andrea? And she mails them. (laughs) And I'm due to get one any day. Okay, so they're, then they're put into like a file, and she goes, and she knows which day she's going to be doing that. And she goes shopping and buys a million birthday cards that all are beautiful and sensitive, and chooses to whom to send. Oh, I, I, I admire that. See, I think that's a ritual that's worth holding on to. When you are, for me, when I say you, when I am right now, as I am in, in this part of my life, and I'm trying to do so much, and things have to give, I find it unfortunate because you can substitute personal interaction for the computer that you're still doing what you're supposed to be doing and it's easy to assign it off. Well, I think these grandchildren of ours, I think as they teach us social media, I think we can sit down with them and take them to a stationery store (laughs) and buy them a pen and buy them some personal stationery and show them that this is another way to do it. I, and I agree with that, and I, and I do want to boast here for a moment and just say that I have grandchildren who do, do write thank you notes, but I think the reason for it is that their parents, their mother, is the one that's responsible for making sure that happens. And then they come to the studio and they, and they do cards for other people. So I, I think it is a matter of sharing and learning together, and it makes whatever curve there uh, a lot easier. And I think it's a matter of consciousness. We're talking about it. And so it brings it to consciousness. It brings it to our awareness. And maybe the next time any of us are in a stationary store or even a, even a, even a grocery store, no matter where we are, maybe we'll be reminded to pick up a card. I was just at the post office this afternoon, and the, it was very quiet, and one of the ladies was out on the side, and she was putting cards in the rack, because you can now buy them in the post office, which is a logical place. And she was saying, I never thought that I would get into the post office and become a Hallmark lady. So, you know, there are places you can buy cards now that make it really, what's your excuse? Yeah. 
Well, we're talking about the double-edged sword of social media and technology, and we're going to take a break now. We want to thank you, Lynn Ray, for joining us today and bringing up so many important comments. Thank you. I it was fun. I you asking me all three of you. We're back, and we're the Boom Goddesses, B.B. Peters, Jen Davis-Page, and myself, Dr. Andrea, and we're talking about social media. It seems that there are so many facets to this uh, topic and so many levels to discuss uh, relative to the technology aspect to yourself and um, the benefits that we get out of it. But let's talk about Lynn Ray and her visit with us. It was so interesting, you know, the exasperation that she began to make reference to, which is she has always had somebody that she can depend on to do it for her, but at some point she decides she'd like to do it herself. And Jen, you mentioned too that you had that experience. When people work in corporate even, you know, you, you have assistants and you have assistants and or secretaries and you don't have to do that because they'll send out the they'll answer your emails they'll send out they'll go on facebook if you say hey this person needs or even that linkedin thing you know which is which is what is that kind of the equivalent to to a corporate face it is exactly that so um and there's from what i understand uh lots of good information and contact information uh on linkedin so you have those those people that assist you, and then you're retired, and you look around and there's nobody there. And you have to learn how to do it yourself, or it doesn't get done. So what have you learned about how to do it yourself, Jen? Well, it's been an interesting road. Believe me, it's been an interesting road. Um, Facebook, I was introduced to, because as I said earlier, um, you want to see pictures of the grandchildren. and. That's the only way that your children can communicate with you. I've got pictures, and I'm waiting for them to come in the mail, photos to come in the mail, and all of a sudden, boom, there they are on your computer. Uh, and, and instead of children smiling faces that you get in photos, you have them riding their bicycles. And I mean, it's... You mean it's the videos. The videos. Yes. Right, the videos. Uh, and it's amazing. It was absolutely amazing to me. I remember asking a young man one time, he had just had a baby, and I said, show me pictures. And I'm expecting him to go in his wallet and pull out something. And he goes and he, and this was my first experience with the phone, with the smartphone. And the kids, it was magical to me. So this is, a, this is an interesting time we live in. And saying that it's magical and seeing the fascination on your face, that's one reaction. Some other people sometimes react as it's daunting and it's scary. Well, and not only like uh, daunting, as um, you say, but uh, also almost uh, impossible. I remember when I was working for the architectural firm and there was just a little uh, office with 15 of us and that was in 90 and uh, uh, the owner of the company, Doug, um, was hesitant to bring a fax in. He did not believe in faxes and shortly thereafter uh, there was the advent of 
leaving messages on voice mail as opposed to writing them down on the little pads and i said well this will never work people want to connect with the actual um, voice no one is going to leave a message you thought thought. right i thought and so i'm glad i did not invest in that process and then shortly thereafter it was the idea of the email and i said no emails will never work because people want to stay connected by by voice they want to talk to a real person and the emails of course you and we know what happened to them so it seems that our minds at times either because we're preoccupied with something else or we're just not ready to accept the new not the new not the new knowledge but we seem to be closed off to it there's so many pieces in what you're saying that are so important of course it's all of the above right i mean learning new things is scary change Let's just talk about that. Change of any kind is very often meets with resistance from the change, the changey, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it it gets imposed. But also, and also, at the same time, mixed together, is the pace of life begins to become so quick that, again, I always say, necessity is the mother of invention. So if you've got one second to respond, you say, see you later, using the letter C and the U. And then if your phone is really smart, it'll give you choices about late, later, latest. And you just press which one you want. Okay, Okay, done, right. And if you make a mistake, like Lynn Ray was saying, you could press the wrong uh, word and not proofread it before you're eager to send the text and the next thing you know you've said something possibly offensive at the most at least humorous well texting is a whole nother story because i remember when my granddaughter first when i first got introduced to this wonderful smartphone and and texting i didn't know how to do it but i could receive it and she's sending me information and i got on the phone and it seemed like every word was misspelled. I said, what school did this kid go to? <laughs> okay, because she's using tech terms. So I get a, and so it's, again, a whole new, a whole language. new language. And now, if you send an email to your uh, Gen X kid, mm-hmm. they're not going to see that probably for a long time. Right. They're going to see it only if it's a text. And so that's another piece that email begins to fall by the wayside because the text is really the immediate arrangement. You see, so I was always actually correct when I said that emails would not work, and now we see that they're not. Right. Well, they it's, worked for a little while. <laughs> right, it's the next evolution. But when you see these um, graphs, people who study the rate of change, and you see that you know, on a timeline, like from the dinosaurs till now was X amount of time. And it, it was like, like three feet long, right? But then you see all the next changes and they happen. And, and these are changes that affect everything. You know, these are changes that affect everything in our culture, everything we do, everything we think, all, every, all the information that we have access to. And all that has happened just in the last you know, last few seconds of the timeline, if you will. The most change has happened in the last few seconds of the timeline where the big, huge changes go all the way back. I still like to see text messages, and I think 
you know, you can, you can say what you need to say quickly, but I still miss the voice. I often, when I talked with you, the three of us uh, text each other quite a bit during the week, but I still sometimes call you and say, I want to hear your voice. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because I do want to hear your voice. Texting is good, but for me, I still want to be able to, to hear you. And so we're talking about connection. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be back in just a minute, and we'll reconnect with you. <laughs> We're talking about social media, and we are the Boom Goddesses, Jen Davis-Page, P.B. Peters, and myself, Dr. Andrea. And we're continuing our conversation on the fascinating topic of social media and which of the three basic forms do we want to make sure we have some um, intelligence about. Where do we start? Which well, one, what, you know, where do we start with, with the social media? I think there are basically three major ones that we can talk about. Facebook, everyone or almost um, everyone is familiar or, is, or may be on it. Or heard the term. Or heard Certainly. the term, right. Then we'll talk about podcasts and how little different they are and what you get from them. Yeah, a then, form of radio in a way that you can use at your discretion. Yes. And then YouTube and where we see videos and we can listen to music videos or put videos up that we have. Or really like a form of television, but once again, on demand, according to what our needs are. And I think that's the most, um, the, the actually the best part about particularly podcasting and YouTube is that you can listen to whatever you want on a podcast. You can even research it. If you want a, a podcast about dinosaurs, you can type in dinosaurs in the YouTube menu, and I'm sure you'll come up with a number of different audio, like an audio book about dinosaurs. Whereas if you want to understand dinosaurs on a visual level, you can put dinosaurs in the search engine and come up with videos about dinosaurs. And you could almost picture a podcast as a book on tape because it is very accessible, because it's relaxing. It's almost a meditative process that you engage in by listening to the voices and the information that's being shared. And and you can pause it, you can walk away, you you can come back to it at, at any time. I guess the most important thing we can say about all this media is that it's totally discretionary. So our culture has become basically an on-demand and customized, let's listen to what we want to listen to, let's see what we want to see, let's learn what we want to learn rather than a prescribed curriculum or television programs that used to be on at only special times, and if you missed them, well, you were out of luck. But now we have DVR, but we even have those programs. You don't really need to subscribe to satellite or dish or cable. You can receive most everything on YouTube. Can you rewind and fast forward on a podcast? Yes. It's a great question, and yes. yes. Because when, if you... 
let's just use iTunes and our podcast will be on iTunes, but let's look at it now on Boom Goddess Radio. There's a little line that comes up with a start button and a stop button and a back and a fast forward. So the same controls that used to live on quote unquote stereo equipment now appear digitally on your screen. And if you, depending on your device, if you click or you push or you swipe, you can move that in the direction of starting or stopping. Now, you were saying something about listening to podcasts in, uh, in your car radio. Tell me how that works. Well, it doesn't actually come... It, well, the radio is simply a relay. It doesn't come through a station. Uh, it comes right. through an audio relay in the car. But basically, it's your smartphone that controls it. Okay. And with Bluetooth technology, um, which is basically wireless, your more recent year uh, car can pick up a signal from your phone. There's a setting on your phone that's called, uh, under settings, it'll say Bluetooth. And if your car is at least, you know, within the past five or six years, the car comes equipped with a Bluetooth receptor and it works through the radio. Or You don't even have to bother with the radio. You can just have your earbuds in Mm -hmm. and press what the appropriate thing is on your smartphone. Mm -hmm. And you can just listen with one earplug free, you know, one earplug to listen and the other one free to listen to the traffic or hopefully not the sirens coming after you. I I think in Arizona you can listen with impunity. But in New York, if they see you listening or talking on your phone, you can be arrested. Yeah, so it's important that you check with your local uh, authorities, uh, state, state laws and regulations for that. Okay. So just uh, to sort of uh, confirm or clarify the process, uh, a uh, person who wants to listen to our podcast in their car would go on our website. That probably be the easiest thing boomgoddessradio.com they would click on the page called podcasts and they would start playing it well they would see there the ubiquitous triangle that means the play button once again same way as it was on your DVR or even on your television screen or on your um, in the back in the day on your stereo system we all know what that triangle means it just means press that for start it to and start. It, and that uh, changes from start to stop, which then is two bars. So you know that you can, that you are at the uh, stopped point when there are two bars on that. There's space. also the opportunity to download that episode onto your phone from Boom Goddess Radio. So if you click on Boom Goddess Radio from the Boom Goddess Radio page, which is different than our website, there's an option to download it into your device. You mean from Black Talk Radio? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yes. Yes. I don't mean to be confusing. Yes. From Blog Talk Radio. That's the internet platform. And you can download it into your phone and have it in your phone. And it will be automatically stored in iTunes or the equivalent. I've spoken with some of our listeners, and they've told me that it's they find it easier, one one or two steps easier, just to go to our website directly, and and um, 
and listen to the shows from there, as opposed to going to Blog Talk Radio. And it's easy, too, because you can pick up on our, on a, any smartphone, can go to a website, and that's why we have it that way. So you just listen on the website. And if you press uh, stop or pause, it will automatically start there again the next time you pick up your phone. Right. Well, this is excellent information. And I'm, I'm, I, I can see our listeners just closing their eyes and listening to the instructions when they go to our website, listening to the two of you explain to them very clearly how to access our, our show. Welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Jennifer Davis-Page sitting in our studio with B.B. Peters and Dr. Gould, Dr. Andre Gould. And we are going to pick up just where we left off in our commercial with how to find our way up around social media. Um, B.B., we were going to talk a little bit about Facebook. Can you explain to our listeners how important that is. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful social media piece. It is. And um, we read not too long ago that women in our age group actually are make up the fastest growing new audience on Facebook. And it's really easy to get on. You just type facebook.com you click on establish a new account and you try not to put your date of birth in there. Um, you can put the date but not the year. You can put the date but not the year. I think that's a great idea. And you don't want to disclose where your address is or anything like that. But it's very easy just to follow some simple uh, some to answer some simple questions and you're all set. But the benefits of Facebook are quite amazing. Not only can you stay in touch with your friends and your loved ones and see the photos that Jen was uh, was uh, talking about before of her of her grandkids, but there are so many happy, wonderful life stories that come out of people connecting on Facebook, whether it be love interest or lost friends. Um, and so we have the pleasure of learning a little bit about uh, Dr. Andrea's um, her history on Facebook and how she came upon the man, the love of her life. Can you share that with us a little bit? Well, that's a big story. But again, like we were talking about before, it was none of my doing. I had a wonderful administrative assistant named Michelle. Michelle, if you're out there, you'll remember this story. <laughs> we were working late in the office one night and Michelle said, I want to put you on Facebook. Michelle is probably a decade younger than I. So I want to put you on Facebook, maybe a decade and a half. And I think it will be good for you. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, Michelle, because that's how it was with a, an assistant that was magic about everything. So she works um, for a couple of minutes and she 
hooks it all up. She fills in my name and my birthday and whatever else you needed to open the account. And I remember it being after 10 o'clock at night that she left. And the first thing that Facebook says is, is what's on your mind? Or, um, and then what's there's going a little, on? What, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little box that you can search. Search? <laughs> search for people. And it was very quickly that I searched for a very specific person who was the love of my life. You know, one of these stories where the long lost love of your life. And I magically typed it in and then I was really scared. Palpitating. About, yes, what would happen. Um, because, you you know, it's in search, then you press go. And um, the next thing you know, it came up with a, a list of a number of people who had that same name. So now I had to uh, refine that with location where I thought he might be. And long story short, um, it did come up that there was a man of that name uh, living in uh, Tucson. Did any pictures pop up at that time? No pictures? Actually, there were pictures. So the man that I was searching for had black hair. And the man that showed up on the Facebook page had white hair. However, the occupation and what I could gather, and it was really a very small sampling. You know, some people have a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But maybe in those days, which was four years ago, it was people had less things. And you had to be their friend in order to see all the things. That's right. And you still do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so um, I uh, requested, I think, I guess, to be a friend and wrote a little note, which I remember exactly. I said, it's inevitable <laughs> that this would happen. <laughs> and then I just basically forgot about it. And um, I had said, if you want to get in touch with me, don't answer this, but write to me at the following email. And uh, in the next couple of days, there were a couple of emails because I didn't even look at my email. And yes, so it's it's that's the short version of the fabulousness of Facebook. How charming and uh, just so uh, sweet. But there's a little bit of a back back story to this. And that is, you knew this man a while back before this happened, right? And then you were separated for 20 plus years. So fill us in on that a little bit. Well, 20, 28 years. But I think that one of the funny parts about it is that it was... He was not um, a devotee of technology back in those days. We had a relationship in the 80s, and he was not technology-oriented, so I didn't expect at all. He was a letter writer, and we had a long-distance relationship, so it was back in the day of crackling landlines and long-awaited <laughs> letters. And that was only in the 1980s. Waiting right. for the mailman to come May- and deliver the mail. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. But, the, you know, the, the cute thing about Facebook is that when you start, it was very frightening. It was like you lose all control. It's like once you press that button, you don't know what's going to happen. Well, whatever happened to the relationship? Whatever happened to that that's that's not he responded and then what happened oh yes yes he did well the long the short story (laughs) is he responded and then we met here in tucson and then i moved here i sold my house in new york and it all happened very quickly but that was because i was doing a a workshop on change and transition and and it was a 12 session workshop that was starting that very day 
And so from September to December, my life changed by teaching a workshop and change and transition. And being introduced to Facebook. And being into, introduced to Facebook. And you married him, I believe. Yes, and we've <laughs> now been married three years. <laughs> yeah, four years, actually. How, yes. do, how do you, uh, when I go on Facebook and let's just say uh, a friend will send me a message, how do I respond so that only that person sees the message ah, and not and not the universe um, here, seeing what I've written to that person. Yes, okay. that's another scary that's thing. That's a great There's question. There's a nice option. And the, the other thing, the and the other question that people always ask, or it seems to me they might not know the answer to is, you can edit your posts. People, if let's say, um, Andrea, you do a post and I make a comment on it and there's a, a typo or something that I don't want to say, well, we click, we go to the post that you, that I just created and there's a little down arrow and you click on the down arrow and it says edit and you mm. go into the edit mode and you edit what you said. So you don't have to do a subsequent comment and a comment after that oh, okay. correcting each mm. one. It's it's editing that initial post that you do. Mm-hmm. But let, let's get back to the question that you had as far as the private comment, right? Right. So there are two ways of communicating on Facebook, basically. One is when someone uh, does a post and you make a comment to their post, everybody sees that answer. But there is a messenger uh, portion of Facebook so that if someone sends you a message you're the only one seeing it even though the platform that's holding it is Facebook but through messenger you're the only one who gets it and when you answer that person that uh, communication is only between you and that other person excellent information it's excellent information and the the um, part of it that can be difficult is that all these little icons, all these little ways of navigating the site, Facebook or any site, sometimes they're so tiny and they're not necessarily in places that you would intuitively look. So you really need to have your exploring hat on when you go on any new site and you look around and you click around. So you take your cursor or you take your mouse and you click and you find out. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like you have to click on these little specks, these little shapes, because each little shape, each down arrow represents something, but you don't know what it represents <laughs> until you click on it. Right. So you explore around, and I've learned this from my current assistant, thank you, Andrea Fraser, if you're listening to this, that you click on things in an exploratory way, and I've learned to copy you so that that's how I find out about a site. So you need to have an explorer mindset. Yes, like we were talking before, you need to have your brain be in a a, a looser uh, spot so that this exploring process is not um, taxing you, but is actually bringing you pleasure. Yes, well, this is what we call a mindset, right? Why is it so important for people to like you? I mean, I see... You know, people have five likes, 10 likes, 2,000 likes. Why is that so important in the world of Facebook? Well, um, because your aim is to be connected and learn new things from people as they post, 
you want to like what they're posting to give them encouragement to do more. Okay. Um, and at times, if you move um, Facebook to a more business type of environment and have a business page on it, the more likes that you get, the easier it is for you to spread the, the message that you want to send. It's like voting. And you see, at first, I really didn't understand liking something that I didn't like. And that's very, that was very confusing. But then you learn that liking something is just like saying, I see you. I, mm -hmm. I see you posted this picture. Mm -hmm. I see you posted this sentiment. Mm -hmm. And it also brings up, I mean, this is a very complicated topic psychologically because it depends on what your intention is. I think we need to go back and say that Facebook is only as valuable as you are clear on what your intention is. Make it, that clear, doctor. If you intend to connect with old friends, mm -hmm. then you know who to search for. If you want a response about something literally that you're thinking about, you can say, I'm thinking about this, or mm -hmm. here's something interesting, and then you see what happens. Mm -hmm. But like anything else, you need to be clear about what you want. Otherwise, it can be so overwhelming. I mean, it, it may be like what people might have done that we might, would have called channel surfing, mm -hmm. that they just, when they're bored, go on Facebook and they see what's up. Yes. And with all these new apps, uh, there's practically a new app coming out every single um, day, a new app application that is called app and uh, people uh, do not have the time or the um, energy to really be surfing in that way they're looking for deeper connections and I think that's once again that's where podcasts come into play because there you you can forge that deeper connection because of the voice that you are exposed to well, now we're getting into another level of depth. Um, it's a little confusing about the apps. Maybe we should come back yes, to the apps. We will. Apps basically, applications are just um, shortcuts now for getting to a destination of information. But if you have a friend on Facebook and they have their friends on Facebook, I see that they they'll, 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 there might be a strange picture and a strange name that will pop up and say that I am a friend of, and then they are a friend of your friend. But if you don't want to be their friend, you don't have to invite them to come into your Facebook, right? That's no, you absolutely could, you could correct. just ignore that, okay. what, what you call ignore a, fan, a friend request. Okay. But I think that we've opened up many windows and many subjects within in this little subject of Facebook. So I think we ought to take a break and decide how we're going to uh, deconstruct this huge territory. What a huge topic we've decided to tackle. And I have the feeling we've only just scratched the surface. I mean, you can't talk about social media without talking about technology. And you really can't talk about technology without talking about our own readiness to even learn 
technology and open the gates to the big world that's out there for connection and uh, allowing us to really be fearless in that approach so that we're open to it in some way um, without feeling as though we're going to be infiltrated by someone or something that will take our privacy away. I think that's often one of the biggest fears that women have. Yes, that's one of the one of the aspects of holding back that many people have, many women have, as well as being overwhelmed by the task of learning about it itself. Yes, I think the learning part is so complicated at times, or it appears that it is. But once you start pressing a couple of little buttons and you attempt to test some things, and some things work and some don't, you sort of breathe a little easier and that gives you the permission to explore more right and the confidence because if something works you press a button and it actually gets you somewhere and then there's also the willingness to ask for help the willingness to identify who in one's life has someone you know has somewhat more knowledge than we do just even a little ahead of ourselves on the path I have friends who are better at Facebook. Some people are better at going in and troubleshooting. Some people are better at figuring out the smartphone. So keeping our eyes and ears and awareness open for those in our life, including the proverbial grandchildren and children, of course, uh, and children of other people uh, who can assist us with that task. That is so true. So, Dr. Andrea, do you think that we can talk about this topic for another three or four episodes at least? I think, as as we've said, we've just begun to, to scratch the surface. And it is part of our mission to reduce the feelings of loneliness and increase the courage to connect in this way in our friendship circles and and for all women. So I think we best devote ourselves in future episodes to more exploration and, and even have fun and use our imagination about what would be the best way to share this knowledge with our listenership. Well, and look just at us. Um, remember when we had to define what the word podcast was and how it took us a few days to actually um, understand its meaning? And now we're the podcast queens. It's amazing. Right. And I think also, I just, just to put in a plug for the pleasure of learning, the excitement, it's just like learning a new language. It gives a whole new slant on life. And so this is something that we're really enjoying. So I just want to say the trip has been an exciting one. And much more to come from now. Great pleasure. Thanks for listening. We welcome your suggestions. Please visit our website at boomgoddessradio.com. Reach out to us. Use the Contact Us tab. Let us know what you think and what kind of topics you'd like to hear. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. Andrea, Jennifer, and Bibi, your boom goddesses, signing off. Each voice of wisdom shares ripples out into our universe and inspires so many others. Namaste. 
For technical reasons, portions of this program have been pre-recorded.